being the the local experts in you know as a tourism and hospitality company that we want people who stay with us to you know feel like they're getting a good local experience that we're like they mentioned providing local supplies local touches if they have questions about hey like what's going on this weekend what can i do we have like a list of events you know different recommendations festivals whatnot that that we know because we're here we're not you know in a different state like we are based here we're passionate about this community so you know we've really embraced that and you know it's something we're pretty serious about you found the real estate law podcast because real estate is more than just pretty pictures and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments if you're a real estate professional or looking to build real estate expertise, then welcome to the conversation and discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Hello, hello, hello. It's the Real Estate Law Podcast. Thank you again for listening to us. Jason Muth here with attorney broker Rory Gill from Next Home Titletown Real Estate in Urban Village Legal in Boston. Rory, we're talking to my conference buddies who are some of the best co-hosts in the country for short-term rentals, and we're going to learn everything about what it's like to run a really legitimate, big co-hosting business like they have. I know, Jason, you're excited to um, take another deep dive into short-term rentals. And for those of you watching at home, Jason every week is has a different background behind him of a different short-term rental that we're, we're operating. But our number is a lot smaller compared to these guys and what they're, um, the number that they're operating. And they take a little bit of a different angle in the short-term rental space than we do. Um, so, Jason, do you want to introduce your conference buddies? Yes, I will introduce my conference buddies. So I, I've met these guys at two conferences. They must think that I go to all these conferences or I think they go to all these conferences. <laughs> we can kind of commiserate together. Maybe we just end up going to the same conferences and bumping into each other. We had an excellent conversation at Bigger Pockets out in San Diego last year, and then we were just at the STR Wealth Conference in Nashville. I monopolized way too much of their time. I tagged along for dinner I think we had a couple too many cocktails one night, Mark. Is that right? Definitely right. Yeah. That that is accurate. So, well, see, I left I left early because we were we were out at dinner right near where I was staying, and then you went, you kept going out. So yeah. But without further ado, let me introduce the guys from Host Pros. They are based in Ohio. They serve the greater Cleveland area and all the great surrounding towns, uh, including some really good vacation markets that you might not know about. As a listener, if you're somewhere else in the country, this is Mark Vondrak and Dave Stokely from Host Pros. Welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. Yeah, good morning, Jason. Thanks for having us. Great to yeah, catch up again. Thanks for having us. Yes, of course. You're like top of the list guests I wanted to have on this podcast. I mean, you know, I was like, oh, okay, maybe maybe they actually didn't mind the time I spent with them with the podcast at the conference because they actually want to record with us again, which is great. So, um, yeah, you know, I we ran into each other in San Diego like the last day of the conference, and um, you know, we talked for a couple hours that night. I re really learned how how deep your business was throughout Ohio. You know, you're local operators. You live in the community where you are. You're not franchising or syndicating, and you've grown this thing, Host Pros. Really, I don't know. In our opinion, quietly to this big monster short term rental co hosting business that you're doing just with. Um, yeah, you're not you're not doing it with as much fanfare as as people on the podcast circuit and you know at the conferences might lead you to believe because you know if you hear all of the people and the prognosticators online uh, and we're all following a lot of the same people you know they're just kind of always there they're on your feed all the time they're just spitting information somewhat accurate. 
but you guys are the real deal. Like you've been doing this for a long time and you have a big business. Yeah. I mean, for Mark and I, it's always been about building a lifestyle that we want. Neither of us have ever wanted to be billionaires or be, you know, social media personalities or influencers or anything like that. We just want to uh, build a successful business and provide valuable service for our clients. And that's all what it's always been about for us. So, you know, we are like building social media and stuff like that, but mainly just to to better serve our, our clients and our guests. So it's always fun to go to those conferences and, and listen to the influencers and hear what they have to say. And there's always good stuff to take away. But I think for both me and Mark, like we get a charge out of building building a successful business and, and just having success on the ground doing what we do. So, mm-hmm. Were those the last two conferences you've been to? Those are the only two conferences we've been yeah. to, believe it or not. <laughs> All right. So this is my theory. I call it the Boston Market Theory. Did you guys used to have Boston Market? Where you oh, yeah. Was it, yeah. All right. Okay. I love I Boston Market. So back where I grew up, outside New York City, you know, every so often we go to Boston Market. Like every so often, not that frequently. And, you know, go there with my father, pick up dinner. And my neighbor was always there. Like he wasn't working there. He was just always there. And there were plenty of other places to eat, but he just happened to always be there. So in my mind, he's always there. However, here's the here's the the flip side of that. Perhaps we just are on the same schedule and we're both always there at the same time. He might think that I'm always there. And I know I'm not always there. So so I see you guys as oh yeah, these these big conference mavens, they go to all the conferences, they bought yeah, and and it just happened to be the two that we both signed up for are the two that we went to. So Yep. But I'm sure there'll be more. There will be more. <laughs> yeah. You know, I want to learn more about Host Pros and how you guys came together. I know you told me the story in person. I'd love for you to tell our audience, you know, how you guys found each other. You know, I thought maybe you were lifelong friends or people that grew up or went to college together, but that's not the case. Yeah, not really. Um, I can take this one, Mark. No, go ahead. Yeah, Mark and I, Mark and I met through a local young professionals networking group in 2015 i think right around the time that we both bought our first investment properties i am a product of the the grant cardone podcast that's how i got into real estate but we both bought multifamilies here in cleveland as house hacks um, where we wanted to we both bought um, we were going to live in them and rent out the other units and we just started talking and realized we kind of had the same goals and so we ended up buying a four unit property together in 2017 and we were rehabbing that property and mark mark had been renting out i think a room in his his apartment on airbnb and we just kind of said you know let's throw one or two of these up on airbnb and see what happens and those were the days when you could you know furnish something cheaply throw it up on airbnb and make a ton of money um and we did the first one we literally furnished as cheap as you could furnish it with like my buddy was moving from Cleveland to Utah and he was getting like he wasn't taking all the stuff with him so anything he left we put in this apartment it was like <laughs> we just hashed it together like a Frankenstein of furniture like you know we still yeah. see I mean like yeah. those are perfect targets for you guys to actually improve their businesses when you see that you must be like oh my god like I gotta call this owner yeah for sure and we could talk about furnishing I was listening to your podcast with the guy from Vegas talking about furnishing and he was talking about how he still uses Craigslist and Craigslist and Facebook. And I was like, no, not for me, but I was surprised by that also. But I mean, like you, did you see his properties? I did not see the properties yet. All right. No. You got to check them out They're They are sick. They're really, really good properties. Um, yeah. 
it just seems like a lot of work to be doing that. I mean, Craigslist yeah. and Facebook, and then you're dealing with, you know, random people who want to negotiate with you and you got to pick it up yourself. I mean, yeah. Yeah. if you got a team of people to do it, maybe it still works. Yeah, he, he did mention he had designers and stuff, so and I guess that works. But um, yeah, anyway, so so we threw two of these units up on, on Airbnb, and we're making a lot of money with them, but it's a lot of work, as you know, to manage these things yourself. And so we just started building systems and implementing technology until we got to the point where we had what we thought was a, a service model that we could sell to other investors as a, a management company. And so we started doing that in 2019. We, we incorporated HostPros uh, in January 2019, I think, and signed our first client soon after. Funny story on the furnishing side there. Th this guy was from California, and I volunteered to do to coordinate the furnishing for him. And so uh, he bought most of the stuff, gave me his credit card too, and I bought some stuff. Um, but I charged him $500 per unit to furnish entire apartments for him. And that's a mistake I'll never make yeah. again. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, first client, so it it was worth it. You know, it's part of the grind. Um, got, us, got us in the door and got the company started. So, and from there, honestly, it's just grown like crazy. Um, we're up to about 60 units right now. We own 11 of those, I think. And we've got four full-time employees and, you know, a dozen cleaners and a bunch of other handymen and, and service people that we uh, work with. That's the short version. Before we go too far down the STR road, now um, for those of us that were familiar with it, could you just clarify? I know you're, you're describing it somewhat, but could you just clarify what co-hosting means? Because it's a term I think that we're going to be using a lot through the rest of the podcast. Yeah, for us, co-hosting means, in our case, we do everything. So the properties are listed on our on our Airbnb profile. We do all the guest communication, check-in, check-out, restocking supplies, coordinating maintenance, snow removal, landscaping. Our goal is to do everything for our clients. But basically, I, I guess what it means in a nutshell is someone else owns the property and we do all the work for a percentage of the income. So the reason we like that business model when we were getting started is because there's basically no overhead and no risk for us, only upside for us. That's how we started to think about it, at least. It sounds like you did this with some level of intention. I feel like a lot of people fall into co-hosting unintentionally, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. And, you know, we were, at the time, we were, you know, friends and family were asking us about this and curious about it. But, yeah, it was always very intentional, I think, to at least see what was out there. You know, any business kind of starts with, like, let's take on a couple clients and see see how it goes and see if there's potential. We We didn't know what the margins were going to be. We didn't know if it was a financially viable business. Um, you know, this is 2019. There was certainly nobody in Cleveland doing it. I think bigger markets, you know, Florida, California, maybe had people doing co-hosting, but there's nobody doing it in Cleveland. And so we started out charging 15%. We're now charging 25%. A lot of other things have changed too. Yeah. I mean, it, it just shows you that first mover advantage is real in a business like this and in lots of businesses, but- you know, if nobody else is doing it and there was a need, you guys filled that hole and now you have competitors, I'm sure, but you have a, a lead on them by having done it for so long. So let me ask this question to Mark. You know, I've seen you guys together and I think I know the answer to this question, but how would you say that you complement one another so you're not stepping on one another's toes and, and you each kind of have your own lane of, of what you're good at? Yeah, that's a really good and, and important question when you're working with 
with a business partner. I mean, I guess it's it in any any relationship, it's good to know your strengths and the other person's strengths and the other person's weaknesses. So, um, yeah, you know, we both have quite different personalities uh, and quite different things that we enjoy doing. So, I don't know if you you're familiar with the book Traction but they talk about the integrator and the visionary. So we're like a perfect example of that. So Dave is definitely the visionary. He's he's the guy coming up with all the ideas. Like if we're hanging out or doing something, he's got 15, 20 different business ideas that some of our are pretty nuts, um, but one or two of them are, are good. So, I mean, and that's all you need. It's just like, you know, so, so my, like my my job is kind of just to just let them get all of that out, just like get it out because there's going to be one good one. So like he's definitely the visionary, and you know I I'm the integrator uh, between the two of us. So from Dave bringing all the ideas, then I say, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. Here's what we need to do to make it happen. Here's a timeline. Here's a budget. Here's a here's a plan. Here's what we need to do to implement this into our business. And so, yeah, we've we've followed that pretty pretty uh, re- religiously, you know, just really sticking to, you know, what we're good at and staying kind of within those lines. Not to say that I don't have any ideas, and not to say that Dave can't implement or integrate, you know, there. But you know, for the vast majority of things, that, that's kind of how it goes. Like, like when you think of that idea, Dave's like, you're not the idea guy. You don't have any ideas. <laughs> Just do this. Talk a bit about trust and how, when did you guys realize that you trusted each other to form this company? Because um, I know that people that are listening to this are looking uh, for lots of different ways to grow their real estate businesses or their investment businesses. And, you know, a lot of that involves trusting somebody else either with their money or with their time or with their partnership. We'll be right back. Every other real estate rental property deal analysis spreadsheet is wrong. The only spreadsheet that correctly analyzes your real estate deals taking into account reserves, true cash flow, including depreciation, and your true net equity on a property is the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet from the Real Estate Financial Planner. Download a free copy today and finally start analyzing your rental properties correctly. Go to refp.info forward slash free to download it today. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We probably rushed into it, but, you know, we just, we became friends. Well, you know, I think we immediately connected because right right around the time that we met, we both bought our first investment properties. And so we just started talking about goals and, and visions for our future and our lifestyle and stuff. And we were very aligned in terms of that. And so, um, you know, we, we bought this property together and put a lot of money into it together. And that was probably risky, but we'd known each other for like a year and a half. So that's, you know, longer than a lot of people know each other before they get married these days. My wife is really into uh, Love is Blind right now. I don't know if anyone else is watching that. Yeah. But, uh... Oh, my God. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's ridiculous, of course. I mean, not not yeah. saying that she's really bought into it, but like, I don't know. So yeah, we knew each other for 18 months and I think it's really important to have 
at least other people that you can work together with and um, bounce ideas off. For me, obviously, as an idea person, and nobody can do it all themselves, right? So, you know, even if you're a solopreneur, at some point, if you want to grow to a certain point, you're going to have to trust people in some way, um, whether it's hiring employees or, or taking on a business partner or investors. It's funny, I was talking to a successful businesswoman uh, last week and telling her a little about about our company and investment strategy. And she's like, ooh, business partners. Like, I, I would never partner with anyone on any business. And I'm like, that's the whole reason we're here, right? Because, you know, because we have the complementary skills to get us here. So, I mean, some people can do it on their own. That's great. But, you know, if you want to accomplish great things, you need other people. You know, being business partner is just one way of, of doing that. So, Aside from just partners, I think you need to build out a team um, beyond just the partnership that can really get things done. And I'm going to take a guess here and stop me if I'm wrong. But when you first started the business, I imagine you were involved very intimately day to day with everything that was going on. And over time, you found ways to delegate the routine responsibilities um, and to build systems instead of doing it all yourselves. But that I'm always fascinated by that process where people extricate themselves from the the day to day and then start to work on higher and higher level things. Can you talk about how that process looked for your company? And if my guess is wrong, just tell me that. Yeah. Um, so you, you're you're right. Yeah, we were, we're pretty involved from the beginning. However, I think like we were pretty intentional um, from the beginning, of, even when we just had a first handful of units that we, we knew long term we didn't want to be totally in the weeds and totally in the day-to-day that we wanted to scale this that we wanted to be be able to focus on the higher level things from the beginning so we did do a lot of the stuff but um you know we from the beginning we hired cleaners to help us because we knew we are not good cleaners so we're we're not clean we we really didn't uh clean much at the beginning, but, um, yeah, you know, as, as we started building up and getting going, we, we kept recognizing, okay, like, all right, we need help here. So like, let, how do we get ourselves out of this? And what is the best structure, best organizational structure to manage these kind of, um, you know, tasks or, or things we have to do. And, you know, I think we look, we, we've tried to look like further ahead than where we're right at. So we say like, you know, at the beginning, okay, we have two, two units, but you know, what happens when we have 10 and we tried to build those systems and we, we started using like system like Gusty from, from very early, even when we had like two or three units and using their automated messaging and using the channel manager there, just because we knew that if we started it early, it'll help us as to grow and get to 10 units, 15, 20, 30. And rather than, okay, let's do everything manually from the beginning. And then when we get to 20 units, we can use the ST. And so we, we kind of, we were, we're pretty intentional from the beginning that, you know, let's, let's use some automation. Let's use some technology. Let's outsource things that we're not good at and be willing to pay for, be willing to pay for those things, you know, like, like handy people, cleaning people, you know, the snow removal, landscaping, like, you know, Hey, there's people that are a lot better than, than us at some of that stuff and can take it off our plate so that we can focus on building 
the business. Talk a little bit about your own units and how they factor into all of this. Like, are they technically clients of Post Pros and they just work through all your systems or do you have that all set up separately? Yeah, they are. Yeah, essentially they are clients of Post Pros. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they work the exact same way. There's really no difference in in how that works. They're technically arbitrage clients, right, Mark? Post Pros pays rent to our holding company. Um so we're not paying, the holding company is not paying a fee for the management there. It's just like a post post keeps the difference. Mm-hmm. And do you guys use these properties at all? The ones that you own? Not really. No, we should, we should <laughs> a little bit. The one, the one would be nice to use sometimes. Um, but honestly, no, we don't really use them. They're, they're strictly investment properties. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're the flip side of that. Like, you know, we have our five units that we, own and operate and we use all of them. I mean, this one I'm not supposed to be using really. I mean, I'm here, I'm here for a maintenance day, but you know, we have a DSCR loan on this one and you know, we, we don't intend to be occupying this place. I mean, we will pop up here every so often, but um, I, Rory and I were just talking last night cause I came up yesterday just for a, you know, maintenance overnight and I'm assembling Adirondack chairs yesterday and just doing lots of things myself that you guys probably sub out at this point. And I was telling Rory, I'm like, you know, I just don't feel connected to this property as much as the other ones because we haven't spent enough time here. But, you know, like I think the way I said it was I know every inch of every one of the other properties we have. Like I know them all. I know the sounds. I know where things tick. You know, this one I'm like still figuring it out because I haven't really been here that much. But I'd have to think a little differently if I operated the way you guys operate. You're not really on site. You're not occupying the properties. You know them because they're clients of yours. It's your job to know them. But, you know, they just kind of behave differently in your lives. Yeah, I mean there there are actually properties that we've managed for a couple of years now that I've never been in because that's not my job. It's it's not my job to know these properties inside and out. And so um I think Mark's probably been in most, if not all of them, you know, and then we have guest experience and, and quality control people whose whose job it is to do those things. Yeah. You guys are really elevating yourself up to the next level of your business, like, you know, where you're not the the day-to-day people, but but you are the day-to-day people to an extent. I mean, like, you know, if you just said Mark is in the properties, like, you know, he's seen them, he's walked them, you know, but it's not his um, plan to go run over the property if, you know, somebody else can handle whatever the issue is. But I'm sure that you guys are willing to do that type of stuff if you have to. Yeah, for sure. You know, we... It's our company, so right. it's important to us um, that it's successful, and so we definitely pick up um, and help out when we need to. Let's talk about host pros in the community in which you're operating. You know, I say Cleveland and the greater area, you know, the greater metropolitan area. How are you embedded into the community? You know, I know Dave. You seem like you've been on boards and you go to events and you meet people, and you know, you're you're one of the faces of the business. Like, you know, what what has the experience of being part of the greater business community been like? How have you guys been treated as operators? And what are some tactics and strategies that you might give to other operators that really want to get involved uh, in being the expert in their community? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you know, being from Boston, I think I think you're probably someone that also has a strong connection and, and passion for where you're from. And so, you know, we feel the same way about Cleveland. Um, we've always loved this city and wanted to contribute positively to what's going on here. Um, we do things like buy um, buy supplies from local companies, um, two in particular that we really love for just, you know, higher end touches. Um, we buy 
custom bars of soap from a local soap making company. Um, you know, they're just tiny, tiny little single size bars, but they, they custom wrap some of them for us. And, um, you know, it certainly costs more than a, a bar of Dove soap at the, at the grocery store, but, um, it's a way to support a local business and also to give our guests a, a higher end experience. Um, same thing for our coffee. We work with a local coffee roaster, buy tons and tons of coffee from them. They have, um, I think when we first started, they weren't doing single serve and they, they just did it, um, just for us so we could put them in our units. And so, um, you know, that's one of the way we, we try to support local, um, companies, you know, obviously employing local people helps a lot. We employ a ton of local people. Um, and we, we like to give money to charity, um, at the end of the year too, in the, in the local communities where we're operating. So we'll typically, you know, pick like a local, um, Oh, what do you, what do you call it? Like, um, local board of development or commerce or something like that and, and support them. Uh, we encourage our employees to do the same. Um, we actually give our, our employees a, um, charitable giving stipend at the end of the year, um, and make a gift on their behalf. And then in terms of just like relationships with the broader community, it's tough in a big city like this where there aren't, I don't know, I don't see a lot of great ways to get involved in the bigger picture, but you know, one thing maybe you've talked, I don't know if you've talked about legislation and, and re regulations yet, but, um, there's been a lot of talk of that in Cleveland and because of our experience, um, we've been able to get involved in and get in front of the local city councilmen um, to talk about what they're seeing as problems and what we think are the best solutions to that without, you know, shutting down a huge industry that's that's critically important to a city like Cleveland that really relies on, on tourism and, and the dollars it brings in. So uh, I don't know. Anything I'm leaving out there, Mark? I mean, the, as Dave mentioned, like at the beginning I was running out of room in my apartment, like kind of before we started our business, it's kind of how I started in the short-term rental space and appealed to me about it was being able to share the experience of my city and what I love about my city with people that were coming in from all over the world. Um, so, you know, giving them a local's perspective on, you know, you know, on where to go, where to eat what events to go to, you know, all the parks, different stuff that you wouldn't know unless you ask somebody that's local. Um, and so we've, you know, we've applied that to our, our co-hosting business, you know, being the, the local experts in our, in, you know, as a tourism and hospitality company that we want people to stay with us to, you know, feel like they're getting a good local experience that were, like Dave mentioned, providing local supplies, local touches. Um, if they have questions about, hey, like, what's going on this weekend? What can I do? We have, like, a list of events, um, you know, different recommendations, festivals, whatnot, that, that we know because we're here. We're not, you know, in a different state. Like, we are based here. We're passionate about this community. Um, so, you know, we've really embraced that, and, you know, it's something we're pretty serious about. Yeah, a lot of people will start a co-hosting business in a market that they operate in or that they have a short-term rental in, but maybe they don't live there. Uh, you know, I, in, in the mastermind that I'm in, a lot of people are operating remotely, you know, where it might be in Florida, the Smoky Mountains, Texas, whatever, where they don't live. 
And, you know, I think it goes back to the why. Like, Mark, you were kind of touching upon that right there. I mean, Dave, you obviously did too. But the why behind all of this, you know, everyone has their own why. Like, why do you want to do what you're doing, right? That's kind of where you start when you want to launch a business. Um, you know, my why is different from your why. You know, I frankly don't have any intention to grow a co-hosting business in Minnesota or Arizona or anything because I'm not connected to those communities and I don't want to, even if it's a really good investment opportunity. Maybe if I invest out of state, I'll do it through a syndication or something, you know, where I don't really have to have a deep connection to that community. But just like you guys, you know, the communities in which we operate, you know, we're there. Like we don't live in any of the three that we're operating in, but we're there a lot. Right. We intend to be here in Guilford, New Hampshire, a lot. We're in Farmington a lot. We're in Pro Provincetown enough that I could say that, you know, we're there and, and we know the area. We're not locals to any of these places, but we're there. Our faces are there. The neighbors know us. Like we know the community. We know the places to go. Very similar to what you guys have mentioned. And, and that goes back to my why as to why I want to do it. Like I want to serve these communities that, you know, we operate in, that we enjoy going to ourselves. I take great pride in, you know, our our places in Farmington that we've had people that have moved to that same lake community after staying in our places. Right. That's I think it's a fun that's one of the coolest things in the world that like somebody stayed there for a couple of months, they were a neighbor's parents, and the neighbor just had a child. It was our slow season, so I was able to rent it out consistently for a couple of months and they loved it so much they moved there. I was like, Whoa. Really? That's cool. Yeah. Are you guys outside of Ohio that much? Like are you operating in other markets or is most of what you're doing in Ohio? No, we we're all in Ohio. We're we our service area is basically within an hour of Cleveland, um, and it all goes back to what you're just talking about. You know, this is our our goal is to be the very best at what we do, and we feel like we need to be intimately familiar with the markets we're operating in to be able to do that. So it's all local. Our employees are all local people who know the area, know the properties, um, and and you know. A big part of my role in the company is giving advice to people who are looking at investing in this area. And this is the only market I know well enough to feel comfortable giving that advice to people. Um, and so, you know, we've just seen, and this is what I say to everyone who's talking about remote investing and, you know, investing in the Smokies from California and stuff is that if you know a market well enough, there's plenty of opportunity. Every single market has its own little niches, its own little, you know, reasons that people come there. And if you know the market well enough, you can identify those things and and operate a successful short-term rental. So, um, you know, consistent with our goal at being the absolute best at what we do, we've chosen not to expand um, beyond that radius, despite many, many inquiries asking us to do so. Yeah. And we even... I mean, a couple of years ago, we went down to Florida, South Florida, like Miami, uh, Fort Lauderdale area, because, you know, we were curious about possibly expanding there. You know, we were, we were in Ohio, we're doing pretty well, but, you know, everything we're reading, like hottest, hottest sh short-term rental market in the country is South Florida. And we're like, oh, okay. So we went, we actually took a trip down there, looked at a bunch of houses, talked to people down there. And after that, we both came away with, the feeling like we don't need to be here. Like, you know, we don't need to operate here. Um, I mean, for one thing, like, like, you know, you mentioned Jason, like making an impact in your community when, when I think when we were there, it's like the last thing the world needs is another short-term rental operator in South Florida, because there's, I mean, we're one of the only ones in Cleveland, at least of our size. 
there's a thousand companies like ours in South Florida. And to go down there and try to start a whole new operation against like immense competition would have been a massive undertaking. And again, and then we don't even know that market well. So, you know, we came, came away with that after that. And we're like, let's just dominate here. Let's, you know, 60, 60 mile, 60 minute radius of Cleveland. Let's just dominate this market. Cause we, we know it and we can uh, be the experts and, you know, that's what we've, we've done. Yeah. It says a lot about, you know, serving too many, what, what's the phrase? Too many people or whatever it is like, you know, where you're too many masters or something. Like too many masters. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you pick one strategy and stick with it. And even though, you know, Dave has, you know, 75 ideas that Mark brains in and finds 10% that are good. It's not like you're going to all these different markets and taking business across the country, even with that temptation early on. I mean, you mentioned you made some a mistake early on with how little you were charging for furnishing a place. Um, and we all kind of made those mistakes early on in you know our business operations, whether it's in this space or something else. But, you know, these are really basic, immutable laws of marketing, like being a first mover, like, you know, really narrowing your focus um, and, you know, going deep into a market instead of just being like topsoil across a lot of markets. Um, so that's interesting that you kind of have, have stuck to your guns there and that, you know, sometimes you'll do a fact-finding trip like you did to South Florida. And the big takeaway was, I don't think we want to do this. And then that probably saved you a lot of time and money as well. And you got some Florida sun out of it. I know you guys travel a lot too. I know, Mark, you, you've been down in South America a lot, I believe. But you guys took a trip that you told me about in Nashville, which just floored me. You rode your bikes from Cleveland to New York City, through upstate New York, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Explain why one would want to do that. I, oh, man. This this was one of Dave's crazy ideas. So, this is the 10% that's a good idea? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so you, so you see what we're dealing with there. It's like... Right. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, the, the one day I remember he's like, dude, we should ride our bikes through New York City. Um, I was like, okay, like interesting. And he's like, he's like, we should actually just do a whole like triathlon. Like we should swim in Lake Erie, bike to New York city, and then run around the whole Island of Manhattan. I was like in the same day. He's like, no, we would do it over. We do it over like, you know, a week or so. So yeah, so that's how it started. And, you know, we're both. This appealed to me because, uh, you know, we're both endurance athletes. We both run pretty regularly. Dave's run a couple marathons. I've run a couple marathons, done a couple triathlons. So, so we're already kind of into this stuff. And um, there's something, uh, there's a term called the Masogi. I don't know if you've heard of it. Jesse Eatsler uses it. But it's like, I think it's a Japanese term, but it's basically... This one thing you put on your calendar every year that's like this massive goal or event that you define your whole year by. So he's like, let's make this our Masogi for that was two, uh, 20, 2020 at the time because we talked about it at twenty in like 2019 or so. And so we were going to do it in 2020 and then COVID happened. So we, we rescheduled the 2021. And yeah, we did it in September 2021. Um, ended up doing that triathlon. We had to do a little bit of a variation. So the, the, the initial plan was to swim, I think it was two miles in Lake Erie in, here in Cleveland. So um, 
we would, we'd, we were going to swim two miles in the lake, get out of the lake, jump on our bikes, and then start going to New York. And um, and that was the plan up until we got to like the day the day we were going to swim, and the weather was terrible, really windy, big waves, and we couldn't swim. And then the next day we were supposed to leave on the bike. So um, we ended up getting on the bike, making it to New York City in eight days. And then we took a day off. And then the next day we did the the loop uh, running for a little more than half of it and then walking the rest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it's like 34 miles. So yeah, it was, it was around the perimeter of, of Manhattan. Okay. Um, I'll say... The bike was amazing. Like it was awesome. Um absolute absolute blast. I wiped out like thirty miles into to the seven hundred and fifty mile ride. Um pretty bad. <laughs> Had to get patched up. Um yeah, it was pretty ugly. But after that it was pretty much smooth smooth sailing and I mean we had per- perfect weather absolutely gorgeous scenery especially like in you know there's some, some parts in pennsylvania and and new york before you get to buffalo that are just like along lake erie that are unbelievable you know you have lake erie on one side and then uh wineries and vineyards on the other side and just it smells like grapes uh welch's grape juice as you're riding your bike i mean for 30 miles mm-hmm. um just beautiful so and then yeah from buffalo to albany albany Albany, yeah, Albany. That's it, not the town that we talked about that you can't pronounce. But oh, I'm not even going to try it. You don't even try it. Yeah, but um, yeah, Kipsky is the name of that town. Kipsky, Kipsky. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's the Vampire the State Trail goes from Buffalo to Albany, mm-hmm. um, and we took that and then Albany to New York City, and it was great. But yeah, the the, the run was then the next. The day we ran, that was brutal. Like that was absolutely brutal. And and we raised and we raised four thousand dollars for charity on the light too. That's awesome. Rory, did you have your hand up? Were you gonna say something? <laughs> no, I just oh, lost okay. his audio for a little bit, and I was oh, the people did. I, well, I was gonna say we should we should get these guys in Massachusetts to try to pronounce some of the names of our towns here. That would be that would be hysterical. But that is an amazing story. And one thing that I will literally never put on my Facebook or LinkedIn profiles is endurance athlete. Like I can guarantee that is never going to go up there. So all the credit for you guys for doing that. Um, these besides like the physical endurance and the Welch's grape juice smells and the beauty of you know the draw like the ride. Like what'd you learn about yourselves during that ride? We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alex Brayshaw. Join me as I celebrate the positive impact of business and what drives the people behind it. It's a chance to hear from business leaders, emerging sectors and industry influencers about their unfinished business in just 25 minutes. During the run, during the ride. I mean, look, for me, the big takeaway was um, actually that that is fun, and we did something super cool. But um, I would have liked to take like twice as long to do it, and actually like stop and smell the roses, enjoy enjoy some of the small towns in upstate New York. You know, speed and moving fast and and doing big things is cool and important. Uh, but so is taking the time to slow down and enjoy life along the way. So I think Mark agreed with me on that. Um, we'd both love to do do something like that again, but probably take you know at least fifty percent 
longer enjoy it along the way yeah we were we were like i mean it was it was literally bike eat sleep repeat for for eight days um mm-hmm. and yeah yeah I, I think yeah for me uh yeah we, we we saw a lot of really uh met a lot of amazing people and experienced a lot of generosity like just people so we you know when people asked what we were doing because we had like shorts on and st- stuff that said like you know that showed us our our route and stuff like what are you guys doing we told them and they would just give us 20 bucks 40 bucks like you know um i remember it was the dunkirk new york hmm. we, we had lunch at this little little kind of shack and the lady like we we bought sandwiches and you know, she looked at her shirt. She's like, what is that? And told her, she's like, she opens up the cash register, gave us 40 bucks. Just like right there. Like, that's so cool. Like, yeah, I think kind of just like overall perspective. Like there's, you know, people are genuinely good. Like when you can kind of get out there and talk with them or just, mm-hmm. you know, get off the uh, social media and just ex- experience the real life. It's It's a little different, I think. Yeah. Rory, what I find so fascinating here, I mean, these guys are successful business operators. They're really embedded in their community. They're not, you know, they're not falling victim to the shiny object syndrome of another market or another thing to do. They're really staying the course with what they're doing. They literally stayed the course from Cleveland to New York, despite falling off a bike and other things that happened along the way. They did it. And I just, I, I feel like you guys are just doing it without, you know, a ton of fanfare. Maybe it's fanfare in your, in your world because you live it every day and the people around you know it. But, you know, from a national perspective, like, yeah, I think that your story is really cool. I think there's a lot of good stories like this out there. You know, if you're listening to this, you know, I would just give the advice of, you know, not falling victim to somebody else's story and somebody else's life and somebody who's the influencer that you really need to you know, be sucked into like their world, like form your own path. Like there's plenty of ways out there for you to improve your life, improve your family, improve your community, uh, grow a great business, especially in a space like this. I mean, you know, co-hosting short-term rentals has turned into, you know, your, your, your big business opportunity, but it also kind of affords a lifestyle like you guys are leaving, uh, you know, instead of living a corporate job or behind a desk somewhere. I know Dave, you know, you're a trained attorney, aren't you? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I was an attorney in a former life, but gave that up. <laughs> See, Rory, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't tell you that. There's two attorneys here. No, I mean, that's the right plan. I haven't given it up yet. No, I'm just doing other things alongside it. Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, that's awesome too. Like we were actually talking with some people at that, um, at the conference in Nashville on the last night there. And we got to talking about the fact that, um, you know, the people, People that have the day jobs and the nine to fives can't wait to get out of them. And I think those people actually undervalue them. Um, <laughs> uh, but then when you're out of it and you don't have that W2 income, um, you know, the, the point was just that um, there are certainly good and bad things to the day job. And, and I think they're, they're, what did I say, Mark? They're under, under, overvalued by the people that have them and undervalued by the people that don't have them. Mm-hmm. or don't want them um and, and i think there's something to be said for both sides of that so you know at the conferences everyone's talking about ditching the nine to five and financial freedom and, and all that stuff but i think it's um too extreme of a viewpoint from my perspective 
you know, even in the real the realtor uh, brokerage context, I coach my agents to use their W two as the catalyst, the leverage to get their uh, career going. Um, yeah. to ignore anything that says just cut it off immediately and dump right jump right in. It sounds romantic, it sounds exciting, um, but you leverage your W two until you absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we I leveraged my W two for um, a number of our properties. You know, this one actually again it was a DSCR loan, so it qualified based on um, you know the numbers. But everything else was relying upon W two income. Now that I don't have that, you know, we need to figure out what the next chapter is going to be. But you know, just insight into what we're doing. Like our plan for the rest of the year is really just to you know operate the current properties we have more efficiently. You know, I had this ten and ten year plan to buy ten properties within the course of ten years, and you know we're about six years into it. We have six. Five short term, one not short term, and you know I don't really want to buy anything else this year because um, I, I really want to dig a little bit deeper into what we currently have, and then we'll reevaluate next year. But I want to get to our final questions. Uh, I did have uh, one other thing though, and you know I've only seen Dave a couple times in person. He's always got this fun shirt on. I wore my fun shirt for you. Oh, and well, we got these new hoodies. Yeah, so look these at are brand new, and I was pretty excited about it, so I had to wear it today. You, you got the merch on. I actually have merch too. Like I got like logoed gear. It's just sitting over there, and you know I recorded a couple of videos yesterday with my uh, with my hat on, and and I'm gonna turn into a, a sweatshirt right after we you know stop recording this. But I see Dave as as the fun shirt guy at the conferences, but you're probably you know not that <laughs> the rest of your life. Yeah, it depends. It depends. Maybe we can just have like a, a fun shirt show. Yeah. Did you guys launch your podcast? Like we were talking about that a couple weeks ago. We've recorded two episodes. Um, they, I think they just uh, got done being edited. So we're yeah. hopefully going to push publish on them in the next day or two. So we can give right. you a link. Can't wait. We will link that up in the show notes as well. And, you know, as you guys get on more podcasts and, you know, get a little bit more visibility, I know you've been on um, the short term show or whatever. Um, Avery yeah. Luke, Luke Carl's podcast. Yeah. You guys did a good job there. You know, maybe you'll maybe we'll be seeing you a little bit more on the national stage. You know, with podcasts like this, now that you're you know kind of dipping your toe into the space. Yeah, I'll talk to our agent. Yeah. <laughs> talk to Mark if it's a good idea. So we asked three questions of everybody that comes in the podcast as a way to wrap things up and just to um, you know get to know you a little bit better. Uh, we got two of you here, so you know I'll ask the questions for each one of you. Um, the first one is. If you can get on stage for a half an hour and talk about any subject in the world with zero preparation, what would that be? Well, investing in short-term rentals in Cleveland wouldn't take me much uh, take me much preparation. That's kind of the cop-out answer. That's that's good. Maybe Mark's got a different answer. Uh, travel, for sure. Particularly, particularly international travel. Yeah. Yeah, you were telling me that you were out of the country when COVID started to hit too. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was in Australia. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty. Well, it was fun. Like maybe I should go home right now. Situations. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it was either get out now or be back in Australia or become Australia, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> uh, second question uh, for each of you: Tell us something that happened early in your life or career that impacts the way that you're working today. Hmm. I'm going to punt to Mark first. So at my, when, when I was working full-time in the corporate world, I, I became a, a manager pretty at a pretty young age. So I was working at a manufacturing company here in Cleveland, uh, manufacturing medical devices. I was 25 and I became manager of a team of people that was 
mostly double my age and, you know, kind of with no management experience at all. And a boss of my boss at the time, you know, I had no idea what I was doing, you know, and the, the, the team I took over was, it was like, uh, it was in rough shape and it needed, a a little, a little work to get it to a better performing unit. And, you know, I came in thinking, you know, I'm, you know, I know everything and, you know, I'm going to get these guys going and just flopped, absolutely flopped, you know, getting pushed back. These guys are like, who's this, who's this kid trying to tell me what to do? My boss, Brian, he, who's not, who's a good friend of mine and I consider him a mentor now. He gave me a book called Extreme Ownership and completely changed, you know, the way I view pretty much the world, you know, and especially leadership though, you know, from that point, you know, my, my leadership style changed my communicate, how I communicate changed. And I just learned a whole lot about, you know, getting, getting people to row in the same, the same, uh, way. And, you know, it's not about just coming in and saying, Hey, you need to do this. Like there's, there's ways you need to, to motivate, you know, motivate people, different people respond to different modes of communication, you know, in different ways. Like, so yeah, um, that was a pretty massive change. And, you know, from that, you know, just with that team specifically within a year, you know, became one of the best performing teams in the company, completely changed the whole culture of the team. Um, and, you know, I think that's flowed into our current business and, you know, so, so that was, that was pretty big for me. Yeah. That's awesome. Dave, what do you got? Anything? Uh, yeah, I'm going to different approach to this one. I I'd say, um, getting talked into joining a fraternity in my freshman year of college actually had a lot of, a lot of implications for me. I think, um, you know, in high school I was not like, uh, super social or, or popular guy. Um, so joining that fraternity actually helped me develop a lot of social skills that have been really valuable to me um, in my life and career. Um, and then also through that fraternity, I got to attend a leadership and entrepreneur um, retreat over spring break one year and just met a lot of um, a lot of small business owners who were who were living the type of, of life and and you know, running the types of businesses that I, I wanted to do. So really opened my eyes to entrepreneurship and, and the life and lifestyle that that can afford. Um, so that was sort of my, the beginning of my journey down that path. So do you want to shout out your frat? No, it's okay. All right. Where'd you go? Where'd you go to school? I went to Wittenberg in Springfield, Ohio, which is okay. a small private school an hour west of Columbus. And they have fraternities there. Okay. They could... It's all they had. Yeah. <laughs> I was not a product of the fraternity system, so a lot of what you learned there, I probably had to learn, you know, elsewhere. But love both those answers. Final question: uh, Tell us something you're listening to, or watching, or reading these days. Anything in the world? Well, you know, I'll just go. Favorite book um, in the hospitality space is uh, the Disney book "Be Our Guest." Um, it is sort of my hospitality bible. We forced our team to read it along with us. <laughs> um, forced her. And we would <laughs> we would review a chapter every month, every week at our weekly meetings. Um, so that is just, uh, I'm not reading it now, but that's favorite book. So um, and right right now, actually, I'm reading a book called Made. Um, it is, I don't know if you're familiar with this. I think they made a TV series out of it, but it's, it's written by a lady who was um, 
single mother working as a minimum wage maid in uh, the Seattle area. And, you know, I picked that one up just because I thought it would be a way for me to understand or relate better to um, some of the people that work for us. And so it's been a really eye-opening um, eye-opening thing about um, what it's like to, to work some of these types of jobs and, and to live um, on minimum wage, just trying to make it from paycheck to paycheck. I, I think we pay our, our cleaning team way better than minimum wage, but it's mm-hmm. just sort of a way to relate, relate to us, um, relate to yeah. the team better. Two, two great suggestions that we have not heard yet on this podcast. Um, all right, Mark, bring it home. It's not going to be rich dad, poor dad, right? Or it's not going to be yeah, yeah, the bigger pockets podcast. Yeah. I kind of, um, my, my reading, uh, interests have changed over the years. Like I used to listen to and read to a lot of business books, development books, and I still do. But more recently, my, my reading has been more like, like I said, you know, I like to travel and, um, so I, I just finished reading a book called the wayfinders, which is about, uh, some specific indigenous cultures in the world, um, you know, and about how they, you know, how they, um, have evolved and live in kind of a modern world. So pretty interesting, probably a different, different answer than, uh, you know, uh, maybe you're expecting. So that, that was, uh, that's what I just finished reading right now. Although I will say, um, going off the extreme ownership, um, book as a team, you know, Dave talked about the, the hospitality be our guest. We did, we've kind of, we've done this again with extreme ownership. So we've, we've kind of made it a, a, a host pros book club and, um, we're just finishing up the audio book for extreme ownership. And, you know, every week in our team meeting, we go through a chapter and it's really, uh, you know, I, I think I, I, I find it pretty, pretty helpful. I think our team enjoys the conversation it leads to. It kind of takes, um, takes us down some different paths that we probably wouldn't be discussing if we weren't talking about, you know, the book and the chapters in it. So I think, you know, it kind of gets everyone, um, you know, thinking on the same page and, you know, I think something we're going to continue doing as a team, you know, um, different books, um, for, for different reasons. So I think all these astute worldly, is it Ohioans? Is that title? Yeah. Ohioans? Yeah. These astute yeah. worldly Ohioans. I mean, yeah. I, Rory, I, we would have, I, I legit had the lamest answers to those questions. Like the current answer is I watched the Celtics lose last night. We watch a lot of PJ Masks, uh, the new one that just came out on Disney Plus. We don't read Disney books; we watch Disney Plus because of Cecily. Um, and then I just, you know, turn on way too much political news. So, you know, that's just, yeah, that, that's just how we're all stay, stay away from that. I know we're 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 big sports fans as well. The Cavs play the Knicks tonight, so they got to win. So we'll yeah. be tuned into that for sure. Um, well, maybe by the time this comes out, because this is going to come out in June, maybe the Cavs will have won it all by then. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be something. Yeah. <laughs> um. Hey, this is great. Uh, we could probably go on forever, uh, but you know, we'll put a bow on it right there, and we'll have to have you guys back uh, after you've done your latest uh, endurance race. You know, in some other direction, and you know, once Host Pros has grown even bigger and better than it is right now. But um, you know, I love hanging out with you guys, the conferences. I hope that we could do it again, uh, you know, in person somewhere. Maybe we'll come to visit you guys. Let us know if you're ever out our way, or maybe we'll just converge on the conference again. Um, 
where could people learn more about uh, Dave and Mark from Host Pros? Uh, well, we've got a website. It's hostprosecle.com. Um, we've got an Instagram account. It's called Host Pros. Um, and I think we're both on Instagram, too, if you uh, just search our, our names. Mm-hmm. We will put all that stuff in the show notes. People can link out and uh, reach out to you guys if they want to learn more about uh, anything that you're doing, anything in front of this podcast or about your business. Um, Rory, where can people reach out to you? Um, the best way to find me are through my real estate businesses, my real estate brokerage, Next Home Title Town. That's nexthometitletown.com or my law practice, Urban Village Legal. That's urbanvillagelegal.com. All right. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you can give us a great rating wherever you're listening to it. If you want to leave a comment uh, below, if you're watching this on YouTube, we read all those and respond to them. If you want to email me directly, my contact information is jason at nexthometitletown.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, have questions for us, questions for Dave or Mark, uh, we could pass those along as well. And and that's it. That's another great episode of the Real Estate Law Podcast. Uh, Mark, Dave. We really appreciate your being here. Thanks for indulging us on uh, the origin of your business and some of the great work that you guys are doing. And, you know, we wish you guys the best. Um, you know, if you want to grow your profile, we wish you the best of that. If, if you want to keep doing what you're doing, um, you know, slow, steadily and, you know, owning your market. I really applaud you guys for doing that. And, um, you know, we wish you the best of that, too. Yeah, well, thanks for having us. It was great, great catching up and um, appreciate the time. Yep. Yeah, thank you both. Thank you. And thank thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one. This has been the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures, and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. We're powered by Next Home Title Town, Greater Boston's progressive real estate brokerage. More at nexthometitletown.com. And Urban Village Legal, Massachusetts Real Estate Council, serving savvy property owners, lenders, and investors. More at urbanvillagelegal.com. Today's conversation was not legal advice, but we hope you found it entertaining and informative. Discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.